Welcome back to Disney Dependent. I'm Sarah Chilcott. And I'm Bobby St. Clair. Ow! I can't believe you remembered. I cannot believe you remembered what name you were going to do. Deep dives, baby! <laughs> That's a deep dive reference to last week's episode and the content pick. One of two content picks. But it did you but it's not obvious because you gotta you had to have clicked you you had to have followed through and followed and checked. Yeah. It's and, deep. And, but yeah. We're not gonna explain any further. That's it, man. Bobby St. Clair, figure the, it out. The the one person that got that reference. You're my people. <laughs> Katie Cooper, I'm looking at you. <laughs> no, you're not. And she's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Nope. Well, how are you guys doing? It's been about 30 seconds. No, sir. Since... It's been a week. Oh, right. That's it's been a wild week. Wild. Um, Sarah took one pee. I did. I took one pee. I took no peas. Why do they call it taking a pee? You should leaving. call her leaving a pee. What's the deal with our lunch? Now, <laughs> we've talked about Winnie the Pooh before. A lot. How he has no pants? Just And how he's an old man or a little boy. He's kind of a little bitch, but he's also adorable. I kind of hate him, but I also really like him. Are you looking at something that's I'm, reminding I'm, you? Like I'm, I'm trying to see past, you know what I mean? Like No. You get what I'm saying? But why? I just, I don't know. I came up the other day and I was like, he's so cute. And he's just like lamenting all the time. He's very but sweet. But why are you rubbing your face so aggressively when you think about and talk about <laughs> Winnie you know, the Pooh? Do you know why I was thinking about Winnie the <laughs> no. Pooh? No. Because I was looking at you, or your direction. Thank you. And this stuff... No, no, no. I'm not done. I'm not done with the sentence. Just wait. It pays off. I was looking in your general direction, and the peripheral view of the stuffed animals over here... Uh-huh. Not Winnie the Pooh. No. We'll just go ahead and get no. that out of the way. But to me, it seemed like Winnie the Pooh. Because it it's Winnie been, the Pooh colors. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. So then I started thinking of this little bear, and he's got no pants, and it's very cute. And he's sort of British, and I don't really know why. <laughs> and he's very cute. Sort of British. <laughs> British-ish? Yeah, and we got to rip that attraction out. Get it out of here. I like it. You do like it, but you don't need it anymore, especially in the context no. of... But do you want... We want New Orleans. I understand. I just don't want to see it go. From New Orleans Square through the... To the fucking haunted mansion. And I know it needs to just be. It just makes no sense. It needs anymore. to be bulldozed and start over. I know that it doesn't make sense, it. but I would kind of like it to go back to Country Bear Jamboree. Oh. That's what it was before. It was Winnie the Pooh. Oh, That'll is that never happen. where it was? That makes yeah. sense since the yeah, it was Critter Country. Country Bear yeah Jamboree. That little sign It'll out there. Never happen, yeah. but that yeah. would make me happy. Because Critter Country makes sense with Splash Mountain and that there and mm-hmm. formally. We had this conversation so many times. So many times, and uh, that's what you do, and you do what we do. So that's <laughs> <laughs> what we do, and why we do it. Well, I guess we don't need to go over the weather and stuff and how we're all doing. No, I mean, as been... of right now, it's still forty-five and rain at not Disneyland, and fifty-eight and cloudy at Disneyland because yeah. it's the same day. Uh, and, and James is still, still burping, burping up. <laughs> Kokyo teriyaki. Up? There it is. Spicy chicken. Spicy. All right, last week we watched Captain EO, so you don't have to, but you still can. Yep. We'll, we'll allow it. Hopefully that's, by now you have watched it. Well, that's part of the service we give you here at This Disney is what Penn you pay your hard-earned dollars for. Yeah, if you join the Patreon, even if you don't join the Patreon, we provide a service here. 
We watch movies so you don't have to. It's the it's bulk what of we what do. we do. It's the bulk of it. <laughs> um, well, now we're going to go into a lot more depth about Captain EO. The yeah. how, the why, the who, the Can't huh. Can't wait. The, especially <laughs> the what? huh. We need, we need to get down to the huh. <laughs> okay. So full credit to this episode goes to two articles. And I've basically just kind of cut and paste and cobbled together the two of them into one script for this week. Okay. They are The Making of Captain EO colon Lucas Coppola and Michael Jackson's Messy Miraculous Disney Space Adventure by Jordan Zakarin. Sorry if I'm ruining your name. Sure. He's a writer. And then there's The Untold Story of Captain EO by Wade Sampson. Okay. All right. So it's the mid-1980s. Walt Disney, the company, is at a crossroads. While the entertainment conglomerate was still beloved for its classic films and theme parks, it had struggled in recent decades to retain its relevance in the post-Star Wars blockbuster era. In the decades since the passing of Walt in 1966, the studio had churned out only a handful of hits and a whole lot of expensive duds. So many. And they were becoming out of touch and irrelevant. Mm. Enter former Paramount CEO, Michael Eisner. Eisner, Eisner, Eisner. Michael, Michael. Michael, Jackson, Jackson. Jackson. (laughs) (laughs) That's why he did it, because his name was Michael. That's definitely it. Michael. Michael. Uh, The well-respected, at the time at least, exec had been hired to take over Disney and um, was given the daunting task to revive their brand. You said what year did he take over? Well, I said mid-1980s. Okay. I think it's four or yeah. five. It's like, like that. right before. Yeah. I'm not looking it up. Sure. <laughs> That's not, you don't come to this show for facts. No. Um, one of Eisner's first ideas when he was hired mm. was to bring together the three main divisions of the company, movie production, theme parks, and engineering. See, that is, I was saying in the previous episode, there are some things about, about old Eisner that... We, we got to pay homage to it. We got to recognize. So he wanted to bring them together for a high-profile project that could put the company back in the national spotlight. Mm. Together, they came up with Captain EO, a big-budget 3D sci-fi short film that would star <laughs> Michael Jackson. And that's where you <laughs> fucked up. A huge budget. It started out so strong. How do we connect the three branches? How do we bring Disney back into the forefront of pop culture? Then you came up with that idea. Space Mountain rap song. <laughs> <laughs> so Michael Jackson at the time, two years oh, the, before that, was the release of Thriller. Oh. And was the biggest star in the world oh, at the time. Quincy Jones produced it. It's so good. <laughs> the ambitious, highly publicized mini-movie would play exclusively at Disney parks and would serve as an announcement that the company was about to enter a new era. And there's, there's really no way for... We know what pop stars are today. You got your Taylor Swifts. You got your Justin Biebs. You got them. We know what that's like, right? We know what it feels like. But I think people forget what it was like back then. Michael Jackson was a god. We didn't have the internet. You didn't have that kind of access to artists that you have now. Right. You could DM Taylor Swift. She's not going to see it, but technically you could do that. Yeah. You don't. You did not have that then. No, there was no access to no, them. No, you saw unless him on you were MTV. A, a little boy. Yeah, and you had a fax machine, and you would send you faxes got all back the and forth. <laughs> or he got all the access to you, right, guys? High five! High five! <laughs> 
It was no secret that MJ was a massive fan of Disney. Yeah. Um, after all, he designed the entrance to his own personal JSBNP. That we have Joe covered. Joe Schmoe's Backyard Nonsense Park. Yes. Yeah. Called Neverland. Neverland Ranch, based on Disneyland's entrance. And he had a huge collection of Disney memorabilia. Yeah. For more on the Neverland Ranch, check out episode 108, where we did a deep dive on all of that. It was a fun episode. Uh, it was it was disturbing, haunting. Disturbing <laughs> chilling. episode. Speaking of chilling and haunting and Michael Jackson, Ashley. Where we is were, this going? We were in going to bed last. This was last night. Uh-huh. Last night. We're about to fall asleep. She's looking at her phone. I'm looking at my phone. You know how people do these days. Yeah. She turns to me and she goes, look, this is the room that Michael Jackson died in. This is right after he died. This is his bedroom. It, it was his bed. The and then wackiest... the next one over is like <laughs> photos of babies he doesn't own. No, like, 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 um, like products, product, like diaper ad like model, but you know, not no one. He pictures all over his nightstand. Like the Gerber baby, for example. And what? Yeah. Yes. Like this gaudy bed. Exactly. The bed you would think Michael Jackson slept in. Uh huh. Like and everything throne that is a bed. Yes. Okay. And everything else was non no family member photos, nothing. Like product marketing ad campaign photos of babies and little kids. In frames. In frames. Just hanging. Like cardboard. You know, like this big Breakfast Club card uh-huh. cardboard thing I have? A bunch of those. Like that. Oh my Just throughout God. the room. And just a huge IV bag. Yeah. Great. Just right that in the middle propofol of the room. drip. Wacky, man. Wacky. Okay, here's Eisner on Michael Jackson. Jackson was a huge fan of our parks, sometimes visiting several times a month, in and out of disguise. He knows more about Walt Disney than anybody who ever existed. He certainly knows more than I do. I do wonder how in God's green earth did Michael Jackson move around the parks? In disguise. Yeah. But then he also said sometimes he didn't. I I think he's probably always in disguise. How good? I mean, that's got to be a crazy disguise, no? Dad said he interacted with him him. and he recognized him yes but he said he recognized him by his voice we've mentioned this before for any new listeners our dad used to work at disneyland he had an encounter with with michael jackson while my dad was working at the magic shop off main street and he talked to him very briefly and he called it my seven my seven seconds with mike yeah and he wrote like a basically a blog for the former cast member uh society or whatever for it and it's framed at my parents' house, and it's adorable. It is. It's a whole thing. Check it out. Well, as fate would have it, at the same time, Jackson had already been considering developing several movie projects because he fell in love with filmmaking. Mm-hmm. His music mogul buddy, David Geffen, suggested that Jackson should make a movie oh, with Disney. I knew Geffen had something to do with this. So Geffen called his longtime friend, Jeffrey Katzenberg, who was chairman oh, of the Walt God. Disney Studios at the time, okay, and proposed the idea. Instead of a feature film, Katzenberg and Eisner instead proposed a 3D movie rock video for Disneyland. Right. intending to really duplicate and harness that unprecedented success of the thriller music video. Yes. Okay. Which was quite long. Yes. And so was bad, which by the way was good. Martin Scorsese <laughs> directed that. That's crazy. That is crazy. You're right. It's also bad. It's also good. <laughs> we just keep going around. <laughs> but not so We're stuck bad. in a loop. Who's <laughs> on first? Um, Eisner says again, we wanted to create something with Michael Jackson who appealed to teenagers, but also young kids and even their parents. 
So that was his idea. Um, Jackson liked the idea, but he wasn't so sure. So to protect himself, he insisted that either George Lucas or Steven Spielberg, with their talent and their pedigrees, that they needed to be part of the project. Yeah. Spielberg was working on The Color Purple and therefore unavailable. Uh, so he's making mm-hmm. a real film about real things. Right. Yeah. Got it. On the other hand, Lucas was already working closely with Disney on the new Star Tours attraction. Right. So he was an easy sell. Lucas brought in his longtime friend, Francis Ford Coppola, who Dude. needed to repair his reputation after the recent <sighs> box office failure of The Cotton Club. Who even knows what that is? Never heard of it. Well, there you go. We know Captain Neo. We don't know Cotton Club. Yeah. There you go. Michael Jackson is a quote from his 1988 memoir, Moonwalk. I'm not going to do the voice. (laughs) (laughs) I wish you would. No, don't. (laughs) Disney Studios wanted me to come up with a new ride for the parks. They said they didn't care what I did as long as it was something creative. In the end, they asked me to do a movie and I agreed. I love the movies and have since I was real little. For two hours, you can be transported to another place. Films can just take you anywhere. <laughs> She's slowly, She's slowly doing know. it. She's getting there. <laughs> okay, so then Rick Rothschild, a Disney Imagineer, was given one week for him and his team to come up with concepts. Wow. No pressure. I like it. Rothschild says, quote, One of the movie ideas was the intergalactic music man, in Mm. which the world was all cold and awful and Jackson and a team of creatures could come and help everyone understand that life is better when it's colorful and warm. Mm. The second idea focused on our understanding that Michael loved various characters and attractions around the park and movies. Peter Pan was one that he was fond of. Wonder why. I don't so. So we developed a fantasy <laughs> that was somewhat similar to the Music Man idea, but focused on a band of characters that were more fairy tale and fantastic. We knew that Pirates of the Caribbean was an attraction at Disneyland that he really loved. Mm-hmm. Um, so just these quotes are kind of coming a little bit random order. Just I'm just reading them out as they kind of work. Okay. So Francis Ford Coppola, the director, said, "Quote." This was a period in my career where I had gotten into a pseudo-bankruptcy situation. Uh Uh-huh. I had to do one movie after another to pay the bank and get them off my back, which I eventually did. Wow. Some projects, like Captain EO, I didn't have a hand in creating. I had suggestions. Michael Jackson had an idea, and George Lucas had an idea, and Disney had an idea. So the director was more someone who took all of the fragments that everyone thought of and did the best that they can. Right. It's a lot different than doing something that comes from your own being. You constantly negotiate. When I first thought about Captain EO, I didn't know what sense to make of it. <laughs> I just got to pay these loans off. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I love that quote because it's just like, I did I did what I could. <laughs> Again, this is the guy that made The Godfather 1, 2, and 3. Mm-hmm. I believe Godfather 1 and 2 prior to this one. Yes. Godfather 3 was right after. Yeah. Oh. So this is... um. Mm. Sorry, I'm not trying oh, to, yeah. like, I just want to really, th- those are two of the most classic, well-respected movies And Apocalypse of all Now, by the and way. And Apocalypse yeah. Now. <laughs> yeah. And this is basically Apocalypse Later. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> okay, so this is Harrison Ellenshaw, who is a Disney artist. Okay. Quote, the title of the show was Space Knights at the time. Space oh. Knights? Space Knights with a K. Yes. Oh, okay. Francis started to talk about the main character that Mike would play. He didn't have a name or rank yet. 
Francis related how the word eos meant dawn and light in Greek, mm-hmm. and something like that would fit a character who comes to a dark, ugly planet ruled by an evil queen and change it along with a song and dance and magical light beams to transform everything into great beauty. Eos was shortened to Eo, and then it was decided to give the character the rank of captain. Okay. Rusty Lemonade. That's not his name, but yes, his name is Rusty Lemonade. <laughs> Lemonand? It's Lemorand. Lemorand. Lemorandi? Yeah. He says, quote, Michael was very intense about the evil queen. He wanted it to be very scary. He really believed that kids loved scary entertainment. He loved Alien. He loved Snow White. The scarier, the better. Shelley Duvall was the first choice to play the queen. Oh, wow. Okay. The makeup people met with her to put on the plaster casting. So then Terry Hardin, a puppeteer, says, quote, when they went to do the face cast for Shelley, mm-hmm. they were going to do pretty much a three-quarter to full makeup. She was claustrophobic and couldn't handle the process. Uh. That would be me. And <laughs> I'm out. And then Lemonade says, she expressed a, sur- a sudden disinterest in doing the movie. The next idea was a far less important actress, Angelica Houston at the time. Right. She wasn't that big of a deal at the time. She didn't have a breakout hit. And it was very easy to get her because Francis and George were a big deal. Important to note that Houston's star rose considerably right before EO came out. I was just going out. to say okay. this. And yeah. she got a nomination for... It had to have been right uh, around that. Something... Prizzy's Honor. That's what it is. Oh, okay. Um, so she was a, a big hit right before it came out. She was in... By the way, she was in... A lot of things prior to this. Yeah. She was in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. So a small character. Really? Yeah. Very small. So here's a quote from Angelica Houston, who played the Supreme Leader. She says, quote, I'm a little bit psychic. I had a dream about a month before I was offered this movie that I was having a wonderful love affair with Michael Jackson. (laughs) And we were in a desert and we were suspended in the air. He was suspended, parallel above me in a landscape, and we were just sort of floating there in midair. And behind us, a stampede of elephants came to us and made a tunnel with their trunks around us. Okay. And this was a very impressive dream. One of those that you wake up from and go, whoa, what was that? That movie. (laughs) A month later, I got the call to do Captain EO. I remember being on set, and Michael had a little green elephant friend in the show called Hooter. And I remember going, oh my God, I had a real foretelling dream about this. That's weird. Um, Lem- lemonade says, quote. By the way, Rusty Lemonade sounds like the name of a cocktail. <laughs> yeah. A rusty nail. Yeah, can I have a rusty lemonade, please? Quote. The original idea was Michael's... Oh, God. This is the one that I put yikes at the end. So okay. this is a yikes. Oh, okay. <laughs> the original idea was Michael's transformation of the witch would turn her into a beautiful woman, the traditional kind of Disney thing. We cast a beautiful black girl who was transformed from Shelley Duvall, yep. and that wouldn't work. No. Everyone would know it was a fantasy. Oh, and that would work, because everyone would know it was a fantasy. Like, oh, you changed from a black girl into Shelley Duvall. Yes. So we said the evil queen can transform into a beautiful version of herself with makeup and lighting and all of that. Right. Who thought it would be a good idea to have a black woman turn into a white woman? As be- yeah, like, that- bad to good. I, I know who. George Lucas. <laughs> Michael Jackson. No, yeah. George Lucas did it in Star Wars. Oh, my God. Darth Vader is played by a black man. Yeah, Yeah. that's true. Then they take the mask off. It's some white guy. Potato looking man. That didn't do any of it. No. 
I think I think he was the actor. He was the actor it, in but the mask, but he wasn't the voice. He wasn't the voice. Yeah. So there you go. Okay. It's, what is that movie? Uh, Chasing Amy. Yeah. He takes off the mask, played by a Nubian god. You, you, you expect to see a Nubian god, and it says it's a white guy. He goes, What's a Nubian? What's a Nubian? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Jeff Hornaday, the choreographer, said, quote, Michael also had a real playfulness. I remember we yeah. were up at the Lucas Ranch, Skywalker Ranch. Too much playfulness. While they were editing. It was just us going over footage and sequences. I looked over Michael and he was gigging, giggling. I'm sure he was. And later, when I went to the bathroom, <laughs> I looked at my back in the mirror and there was a piece of paper taped to me that said, quote, please kick me in the ass. Oh, he was so fun and playful. In ew, the ew, ass. Ew, 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 ew. Sarah, he just never grew up. That's all. He was I st- want to grow up. He was a star when he was a little kid. It's yeah. not his fault. Okay. So um, he wanted to be around children. A lot. <laughs> uh, okay, so Harden, the it's puppeteer, better. says again, One day, we were both sitting on the steps, eating our lunch, silent for a little bit, and I say, Michael, let's pretend I'm a genie. I come down to Earth, and I say, For all your goodness and kindness, I want to grant you three wishes. So what would they be? And Michael thinks a little bit and says, no, wow, nobody's ever asked me that before. And then he says, well, my first wish would be to have my childhood. Oh, God, it's so sad. Mm. That is the saddest answer possible. And for wish number two, he said he would like to go to a mall without having to buy it. And I never heard what the third one was. That's what eight-year-old kids say. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what they say. I wish I could have a. I wish I could. Wish I could have all. I wish I could have had my childhood. Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> He's a little kid. So then Peter Anderson, who was the cinematographer, said, "Captain EO was a closed set." Wait, they, what was the third wish? He didn't. Ha- I didn't see it. There was. Oh. It wasn't listed. Okay, we'll never know. We'll we'll know. Well, we, we know. We know what the third wish was. So Captain EO was a closed set, but the A-listers were always there. Warren Beatty, Sophia Loren, what? and Elizabeth Taylor would just come in. Why? To hang out with Mike. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. And to the point where there was a barista mm. to make sure that they all got their afternoon coffees. That I approve of. <laughs> if I were on set and I had any control, that's the first thing to, to be on my writer. Elizabeth Taylor walked up and started to talk to Michael when he was strapped into the the body pan for the flying stunt, and she would tickle his feet. Duh, what? Oh. Yeah. Elizabeth Taylor. What's, what's that about? What do we think about her? I don't know anything about her. No, you her. don't. Either I do don't. I. I really don't. We're too young, I, I think? just think that two you know? adults who are not in a romantic relationship, and even Tickling if they other? are... Yeah. Tickling feet is an icky thing to do. It is. It's icky. Especially in that context. Yeah. I mean, tickling like quickly just to surprise someone is one thing. And it's already weird. And tickling kids, like your own kids. Totally different. Yeah, it is. And it's also don't tickle. Just uh, yeah, don't do it. Tickling is an, it's a dick move. I hate tickling. Oh, yeah. Oh, I yeah. Hate like, it. he, 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 I'm getting you. Oh, you're going to get an elbow. Oh, you're out of control mouth. laughing. You're laughing. You're enjoying this so much. No, I'm not. I'm not enjoying it. Yeah. I'm going to punch you. No, that's not my kind I'm of laughing uncontrollably, but it is not a happy laugh. No, as it's soon a as maniacal. I, yeah, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. 
Okay, here's another quote from Angelica Houston. I'll never forget this moment during the shoot. He's on a platform, and as it happens, the platform rises. And I kind of dip in the shot, just sitting there and watching. Playback starts, and something happens to Michael, and I swear, I gasped. He, his transformation from the Michael that I'd been rehearsing with, who was a little shy and giggly and retiring, yeah. all of a sudden, Here the power of him. That's it. When he was singing with something so extraordinary, mm-hmm. my jaw dropped. Mm-hmm. Performing was the full expression of who he was. Oh, all other times, he was at half speed. Mm. Yeah, that was man. a pretty good one. I yeah. like that quote. I love that. These people are real. Michael Jackson is a, a rare person. Oh, when he would yeah. ow, ow, and just start popping. Oh, my God. <laughs> Do that again. Ow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Coppola says, I knew I wanted the big dance at the end to be more integrated with the story rather than the movie be this short little dumb story and have a music video tacked on at the end. But Michael Jackson was really wily, and no one knew what the music or song was going to be until the time that they did it. He felt he didn't want the dance to be integrated within the story. So we shot this little story, hmm. and then he came and had the song, and we we did the best we could. Poor Coppola. Wow. <laughs> uh, the dance number was tacked on at the end. I thought I should have been. I thought it should have been more integrated into it. But what does I that found mean? It wasn't integrated because it it was like a story and then a dance sequence. Right. Right. Which right. Which is not what Coppola wanted, but that's what Michael wanted. Yeah. He says, but I found Michael to be very sweet, and I was fond of him. He was like a big kid. Um, Ellen Shaw, that artist, said, George Lucas had George Lucas had good intentions. He always you know, does. You don't want to start a <laughs> quote with that. <sighs> yeah, but. <laughs> After Jedi came out two years earlier, he said he was exhausted and needed to take two years off, which he did. Mm-hmm. But when he came back into doing stuff, he was very ambitious, and that's George's nature. So he had not only Captain EO to worry about, he also had ILM, Industrial Light Magic, magic um, to worry about. He had a computer division, which was later to become Pixar. ILM Mm -hmm. is, yeah, they are like the, everything that's like CGI that became good was from them. They they invented it all. Yeah. And then he had Star Tours going on. He was working on, he was building stuff out at Skywalker Ranch and he went through a divorce. He had a lot going on at the time. No kidding. So he could never. I have a Skywalker Ranch hoodie. I know. I wear it sometimes. It's very soft. And you get it all worm pooped and, and, you know, your, your shit. She wears my clothes and there's like boogers and worm poop on it and <laughs> she she just gave me a look that Have was you to she say no, no but then nodded her head slightly. <laughs> she's, no, she's not contesting any of this. <laughs> okay, so Lucas could never give Captain EO or any of the other things in his life full attention. So it's kind of like having Michelangelo come by every other day for half an hour and telling you, if I had the time, I'd do the Sistine Chapel. But since I don't, let me tell you what you need to do. And then he'd wait two days and then he comes by and say, you didn't do this right. Do that. Everything was constantly in flux. Wow. Yuck. That's the part about him that totally sucked. Yeah. Um, Anderson, the cinematographer, said... Francis brought his Airstream trailer with him. Ah. It had a lot of tape decks and editing equipment and a hot tub. Cool. So once or twice during the lunch hour, I was invited to join Francis, who would be soaking in his hot tub, watching the dailies, Mm -hmm. and also watching audition tapes for Peggy Sue Got Married, which was going to be his next feature film. Oh. And Lemonade says, 
We knew we had Francis for two weeks of shooting because he was scheduled to do Peggy Sue, and that was a firm start date. I did not remember he did that movie. That's yeah. the one with Nicolas Cage? Mm-hmm. Wow. Who's his nephew? Yeah. Oh. So weird. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's Francis Ford Coppola, Sophia Coppola, yes. his daughter. Nicholas Nick Cage. Cage is not his name. It's something Coppola. Right. And he changed it to be on his own. He didn't want to be known as a yeah. Coppola or whatever. That's and right. then there's Jason Schwartzman, Schwartzman. Yeah. who is a like cousin I to them. I love him. Yeah. Yeah, he's a he Coppola an underrated family. actor. And he kind of looks like them. Yeah. Them, you know. Them. <laughs> <laughs> Those guys. So um, Ellen Shaw, the artist, yeah. their initial budget was totally blown out of the water, as you know. Um, what Ellen, was their initial budget? Do you I don't, know? Yeah, I would love to know. <laughs> One million. A fraction, I'm <laughs> sure. Times that by 30. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he says, quote, Captain EO took years off my life. <laughs> Sheesh. Oh, no. The studio said, we can't allot more money to this. In fact, we think you've spent too much already, so we're not going to spend any more money. For 17 minutes, too. It's not even an hour and a half or whatever normal movies are. Yep. Um, which is typical of any business anywhere, unless you're being financed by an oil-rich megalomaniac. Mm. I was in a situation where they said, we want something no one has ever seen before, but we don't want to pay for it. Right. In a nutshell, we went from great hopes, great ambition, to more hopes, more ambition, less money. By the time we were at the end of production, we were starting to descend into madness because it was so illogical. It was so crazy. And then Disney was starting to have some reservations about their big star as well. Mm. Anderson says, quote, Michael had a propensity to do his crotch grabs. <laughs> it was kind of unheard of back then. And this was Disney. I yeah. was told to crop the upper torso or go for a tighter shot or something like that. Right. But they were part of his routine. Hell yeah, they were. So it wasn't like he was only doing it occasionally. It was on his beat. No, it's how he danced. Mm -hmm. It's how, he, yeah, he did that whole setup. Disney started cutting the film together and saying, oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> Michael also had a rather high-pitched voice. People weren't used to hearing him talk. They what? were used to hearing him sing. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. The studio was trying to figure out how to modulate or replace his voice for the talking scenes. Hey, wow. Guys, I'm going on a space mission here. This Nubian god voice. Yeah. <laughs> there were groups of people at Imagineering and some at the studio that were afraid that if that it would make EO feel too comedic. So there was some playing around with the idea of changing the octave. There was even a discussion about doing voice replacement for him. There was a whole thing going on in the background of how do we do it and not offend him. So instead, we made his skin orange. Yes. And I remember sitting there and saying, you're actually going to change Michael's voice. They desperately wanted to, but no one had the guts to approach him on it. Good. Okay, so now um, we're talking about the premiere of Captain EO at Disneyland. Okay. It is okay. September 18th. 1986. So it didn't air anywhere else first. No. Because no. why would it? It wouldn't make any sense. Yeah. Okay. Well, and that, for me, that's the craziest part of spending all this money is it's... I know. To put in an attraction... That you don't make any more money off. you don't off. make any yeah. more money off of. I, I mean, I guess ticket, merchandise and stuff. Sure. And maybe draw, people yeah. went there to yeah. see it, but... It was the 80s. You it weren't did... going to spend that money just to see Captain EO, right? I don't know. There's some stuff about that. that yeah. Maybe. He was... Pretty it popular. probably was a draw. And remember, Disneyland was very different back then. That's true. Mm -hmm. It was considerably smaller. Yeah. Lamer, even. Yeah. Yeah. 
So it's September 18th, 1986. Angelica Houston sitting in a convertible riding down Main Street, USA, leading a parade in celebration of Captain EO's opening. We got to find this footage. Coppola and Lucas were also at the premiere, which was attended by a quintessentially 80s assortment of celebrity guests, including actors Alan Thicke of Growing Pains fame (laughs) and Charles Bronson, romance (laughs) novelist Jackie Collins, OG Mickey Mouse Club member Annette Funicello, Dolph Lundgren, and Mr. Wholesome himself, O.J. Simpson. Excellent. Did he murder some people while he was there? Zing. (laughs) <laughs> the celebration included per- musical performances by Belinda Carlisle, mm-hmm. Starship, and the Moody Blues. But Jackson, who had recently taken a year away from the public spotlight, was nowhere to be found. Oh, wow. wow. He was probably there. I bet he was there. Michael Eisner says, he claims, Michael Jackson is here on the day of. Michael Jackson is here, but he's disguised either as an old lady, an usher, or an animatronic character. Oh. <gasps> That's so cool. Animatronic. But Angelica Houston said, quote, Michael never showed. I think LaToya was there. It was sort of eye-watering to go down the main street of Disneyland in a horse carriage. A little embarrassing. It was lonely not to be there with Michael. I don't know where he was or why he didn't show up that day. Because he's too famous. Also, he's so rad. You know how rad that is to not show up to the premiere? That's so cool. Yeah, but. (laughs) That's so rock I don't buy it. He was there. He was there. He was there to see it. See, this is that's why this is so cool. We're all debating. Yeah. Years later, was he there? Was he not? That's so cool. No. Now the rock just walks down. That's not cool. The rock is so cool. He's very cool. He's a national treasure. Yeah. I saw him at the Grammys. Did Oh, that's right. Many times. Yeah. He's so big. <laughs> he's so big. <laughs> and he's on all of the steroids, obviously. He's so big. I would imagine, yeah. He's. You've never seen a person that big. That's how big he is. You know what I mean? I don't mean like. <laughs> he's so big. He just like towers over all of the people. And it's not just that he's tall. Like he is also tall, naturally tall. But he's also huge. I know the steroids fight together. Steroids. Yeah. Okay. Boy. Yeah. I have two reviews from the Los Angeles Times that are at from the time, and they kind of like give you the two different opposing viewpoints. Yeah. So first one, for all of its wondrous imagery, Captain EO is nothing more than the most elaborate rock video in history. Mm. Like a hollow chocolate Easter bunny, it's a glorious surface over a void. No one expects an amusement park division to be gone with the wind, but given its production team credits and the film's lavish budget... Audiences have a right to expect more than empty flash. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the other review says, During one of several preview screenings, the audience ooed and awed and broke into applause several times at the numerous elaborate special effects, costumes, and intricate sets. Exiting the 17-minute attraction, audience members praised the film with one-word descriptions like brilliant, outstanding, and genius. Hmm, so. Good. Well received. Yeah. Um, And Ellen Shaw says, at the end of the day, it was a huge hit. 93% of attendees said that that was their reason to visit Disneyland. It was a phenomenon. Wow. So it did bring people in. Like just that day or that year? I don't know. Probably that year. Certainly didn't last till 1996. No. No. Couldn't imagine. What are you here for? (laughs) 
Captain Neo. Okay. <laughs> That's like saying you went for the Jungle Cruise. Sure. Yeah. I'll, not I'll even. Not I'd even. go for the Jungle Cruise. I would, yeah. yeah. You know, Sarah, you mentioned something about the merchandise. That I want to find a Captain EO original t-shirt. That would be, that so, would be great. so expensive. Mm-hmm. Old vintage shirt. Probably so expensive. Burp break, huh? Um, Jeff Heimbuck, author of Main Street Windows, which is a book that I'm actually looking at currently from where I'm sitting. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's on that pile. Yep, yep, yep. Said, quote, Disney pushed the limits of theme park entertainment with EO and opened the gates for collaboration between other intellectual properties and outside people. I think in a lot of ways we would not have Star Wars in the parks if it wasn't for EO. That makes sense to me. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Yeah. And as the writer that I've referenced, Jordan Zacharin said, quote, Captain EO will stand alone. It's not the greatest movie ever made, but it's a great musical piece up there with Thriller, and it's survived the test of time. Oh, it's pop culture gold. Also, you mentioned that there likely wouldn't be Star Wars in the parks. Mm-hmm. I think that's true. I also think that there wouldn't, there likely wouldn't have been that connection for Bob Iger to then go to George Lucas and do the merger of Lucasfilm. Right. And For Disney. sure. Yeah. And just that whole like modern era of Star Wars. That's totally the true. They they planted that seed. Again, that's why Michael Eisner does have some some things that we should thank him for. Zip zip. Zip 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 <laughs> zip. Splash Mountain. Supposed to Splash Mountain. Well, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Fun, man. Noise. What a weird moment in time. I love that shit. I love it. I just I can't get enough of it. Like sunny eclipse, I'm just too. I'm too curious of a person. I yeah. see this stuff. I'm like, how did that happen? You look a little kitty. Yeah, like a little like dangling string. And oh, you're like I gotta get out. I, of I that. need to know more. I mean, there's there's just so much of that in the in the Disney realm and just pop culture in general. So much of it. Yeah. Very fun. I um I did manage to find. On YouTube, Disney's Captain EO Grand Opening, 1986. Aw, nice. Let's watch just a couple minutes of it real quick. It's very long. <laughs> Look at freaking tomorrow, Tomorrowland. Wait. Now, join a galaxy of stars and celebrities as they gather in Disneyland for Disney's Captain EO Grand Opening. Pretty wild, huh? Oh, my God. Patrick Duffy. There he is. That's right. We're in Disneyland and we're happy to be hosting this very happy What's event. her name? I forget. Justine Bateman. Justine oh. Bateman. Yeah. yeah. As in Fast forward a little bit here. Nature Domo is a kind of seedy but very wise old pirate robot. And minor Domo sometimes rides <laughs> very wise. Oh, like seedy but they're, wise they're old pirate. Yeah. Remote control. One body, two heads, two personalities, always at odds with each other. Weird. Fast forward a little bit. Ooh, music. Is that Starship? Goddamn ads. Yeah, Belinda Carlisle and Starship. That's a good cue for me to stop it. Well, go look it up. Yeah. It's all on YouTube. It's 47 minutes long. Uh, You want to do some pics and stuff? Yes. I have one animal. I have... I have a pick. I have a pick, too. Sarah, kick us off. All right. 
Well, my media pick this week is a movie called This Is Where I Leave You. It's on Netflix. I've seen it a couple times, and honestly, I have not seen it recently, but I plan to watch it because it keeps coming up as a recommendation for me. Watch this again, and I'm like, I want to. Thank you. <laughs> I shall. It's um, the synopsis here on Netflix. It's on Netflix. It says... When their father dies, four siblings return home oh, for a week, yes. but mourning quickly takes a backseat to bickering and opportunistic backstabbing. And in it, the cast is Jason Bateman, Tina Fey, Jane Fonda, Adam Driver, Rose Byrne, Catherine Hahn, Connie Britton, Timothy Oliphant, uh, Dax Shepard, Corey Stoll, who I don't know who that is. Um, it is really funny very heartwarming and super super real like the 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 relationship with the siblings is so spot on that i i love it i don't even remember who played the dad because i think the dad is actually never even shown or he is in flashbacks or something but shows uh, and movies don't get sibling stuff right very often right it's either too gross and touchy-feely uh-huh like I'm home for the break. And they're like cuddling. Yeah, they're and like, yeah, hanging out on the couch. Yeah, they're too hugging. close. It's weird. Or Siblings are supposed to kind of hate each other. They hate each other and they don't speak yeah. for years and or years too, and years. Yeah, it's too much. Yeah. It's too much. No, it's like, the, the it middle is a perfect is the combination real. of these people that grew up together. Yeah. But there's there's the younger sibling too mm-hmm. that's just like our family. It's yeah. like the Haley. Right. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's so cute because they, they love it. each other very much, but they don't get along, but they also <laughs> do because they're siblings and you, I've they have a connection. I've always described siblings, at least in our family, as like, you're always slightly mad at each other <laughs> for some reason. You don't really know why. Right. There's, There's some just lingering a little bit of resentment right for some surface. reason. Well, you've got, you've got some trauma. You've got a lot of trauma. growing up with someone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you're, it's too... They're forever people. Yeah. There's you could shit on my face today and I go, Well, that's Sarah. <laughs> what are you gonna <laughs> I do? heard it. She's known <laughs> to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a hard dynamic to to capture. So that's that's good to well, hear. Well, it's weird because it you know, in our family, I f- think it's a little bit unique because the four of us, we all really like each other. Yeah. Whether or not we would be friends if we weren't siblings, I don't know. That's the thing. But I think we would. I think we would. I, I think you and I would for sure. Yeah. I Emily and I would probably not now, only because our lives are so Just different. different. But, I mean... Yeah, it's, she's it's an interesting thing. absolutely one of my favorite Oh, like Haley and world. I had nothing in common no. for so long. No. We were very... We didn't either. I would have killed and died for her my whole life. Yep. But yeah, we just didn't talk because we're the age thing and just interest. She had a different yeah, exactly. You know, path she of thought life. you were smoking crack. Yeah, she once said, Well, you're a crackhead, right? And I was like, What did you say? She thought because I smoked weed that I was a crackhead. Yeah. She was very young in her defense. Absolutely. But that was a very funny comment. Well, no, she's a crackhead. Emily and I yeah. hated each other. I we yeah. we fought more than any two people fight. We were one year apart until I moved out of the house and then it was like 
I love this girl. Well, mom and dad finally got it. Together, oh, she's would, the best. Yeah. She's and I recognize her world. for the person she is now. Yeah. But like in high school, she was my hood rat little sister. Hood rat little sister. Yeah. And mom and dad finally got it right when they realized not to pair you guys in a room together. No, like, we had to. Go share a room with James. Yep. You guys won't kill each other. It well, you will, safer. but it'll be different. To share a room with my brother than yes. it was for me to share a room with my sister who was 13, 14 months younger than me. Right. Well, I will check out the movie. Sounds good. Um, my movie is The Untouchables. Oh, yeah. 1987. Okay. Dude, this was made right after Captain Neo came yep. out. <laughs> Which is crazy. The, the Untouchables is... Um, <laughs> I mean, it's it's top ten, top five, maybe even favorite movies for me of all time. The score is unbelievable. Yes, it is. Uh, Marcus, <laughs> or what is his name? Marconi? Yeah. Ennio Marconi, that's what it is. Here's a little taste of it. And it's uh, Kevin Costner. And Sean Connery. Right. And De Niro. Oh, started over. My band came out to this song once. Really? Yeah, at the Crystal Ballroom. That's awesome. So classic. So good. So good. The, the opening sequence of that movie is one of my favorite things ever. It starts with Al Capone getting his face shaved. Start, yeah, played yes. by Robert De Niro. So it's Robert De Niro plays Al Capone. Kevin Costner is Elliot Ness. And Sean Connery is like his cop friend. He's like beat cop. And Andy Garcia, young Andy Garcia is the other cop. Anyway, it starts with, yeah, with Robert De Niro's character getting his face like a close razor shave in the in the late 20s or 1930 i think on mm-hmm. the nose and it's a it's a like bird's eye view shot and there's like you know the barber there's like all his mafia henchmen standing around mm-hmm. a very gaudy room and no one's moving or talking there's mm-hmm. no music yet that music hadn't started yeah just very still then the camera pans down on the crane like pushes in and then there's action and then they start moving. It's, it's like a play. Yeah. And it's, it's so good. He, so he does his like opening monologue. He accidentally gets cut. Uh-huh. And you think he's going to kill the barber. Totally. He, but he's like, it's okay. He, wipes, it's okay. It on he him. wipes it on him. And then, then that the credits hit and that song starts. It's like, Oh my God, it's so good. So it's a friend of mine quotable. just reunited with her birth father after like, 15 years or something yeah and she found out from him that her grandfather is buried in the same cemetery as al capone no way and locals in that area they refer to it as the spaghetti cemetery wow that's highly racist i know wow but like people who are italian refer to it that way right right all the names are super super italian yeah he's alfonso alfonso Alphonse, yeah, I mean, I it's think Alphonse. it's Alphonse Capone. Capone, yeah, great names. They're all like Italian immigrant guys. Yeah, it it is such a good Here's story. Here's the thing. 
I don't condone the mob. Oh no! But it is Al Capone so was an fucking awful cool. Person. He was an awful person. Full stop. <laughs> At least the way it's portrayed in the films yeah. and stuff. Yeah. It's well, it's and it's intriguing. American history. It's yeah. very very fascinating. Totally. Um, yeah, it is incredible. And Brian Del Palma was the director for that movie. He did a bunch of stuff after that. And people will will credit. Um, so Quentin Tarantino clearly stole from two people: uh-huh. Brian Del Palma and Scorsese. Uh-huh. Those two people, that's like his his thing. Clearly, he went on to do his own vibe, but you can see it. It's that pulpy, campy, yeah, like using pop music a lot in song or in, in scenes and shit. Mm-hmm. It's very good. Anyway, one of, one of the best movies ever made. Entertaining from beginning to end. The Chicago Way. You know the but a lot of talking a badge. Nothing but a lot of talking a badge. <laughs> what are you prepared to do? What are you prepared to do? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Ness, do not approve of your methods. I'm going to need to see that one again. And then he goes, Shoot. oh yeah? Well, you've never been to Chicago. So good. So good. Only scene I can remember is a scene where they're at the giant table. Uh-huh. Yeah, enthusiasm. Enthusiasms. Enthusiasms. He's got the baseball bat. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, that's a gnarly scene. Dude, it holds up. It's I'm a great sure movie. It does. It's great. Woo. I, I love movies like that. Just big. It's widescreen, the whole movie. Oh, it's so good. Okay. I'm Woo. definitely watching that again yeah, man. soon. It's good. That and This Is Where I Leave You, which are very, very different from each other, but... But you need both. Yeah. You yeah, guys I need both. love This Is Where I Leave You. I love it. Love it. The animal hero of the week is this cow that escaped its farm to go and live with a herd of bison. I saw that and I love it so much. Why did he do it? It's from five years ago. There's no context. I don't know what happened. I don't know if the cow got mauled, but it's a cute picture and it made me happy. Yeah, it really is a cute picture. Norman from City Slickers. Yeah, like, hello. These are my friends. They're like twice my size. He's so much smaller. (laughs) Cows aren't small either. No. No. Fully grown cows are quite large. Quite. Wowzers. Yeah. You know there's buffalo on Catalina Island in California? Yeah, yeah. Not weird. They're everywhere. It was like they... I heard the other day, I never knew why, because I remember as a kid seeing buffalo there. Yeah. I'm like, what? Why? The story is they had a project. No, it was a movie. That's what it was. They shot a movie out yeah. there, like an old Western movie. And, and they, they brought bison and they just left them there. <laughs> and now there's like a family of 50 wild bison just they roam the hills. They seem happy. We'll just let them be. Still to this day. It's, it's not like they can go anywhere. Well, it's I like mean, a protected state park, so right. they're just part of the protection now. It's great. I love that the state of California did that. And like, love ah, it. Yeah, yeah fine. you're part of it just now. Go. <laughs> it's like stocking your local uh, pond with fish. Yeah. Just stalking your local yeah. island with bison or buffalo. <laughs> not a casual animal either. No. Nothing no. like raccoons. <laughs> Full grown ass bison. People are out there trying to have like events and weddings, and it's like, huff, watch out huff, for the huff. buffalo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a few of them here. Sheesh. Oh, it's so good. Well, uh, by the time this comes out, you all will be oh, yeah. in California. Speaking of, that's so, right. Um, may the wind be always at your back and the Some Irish. rose rise up to me. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> the rose rise up. The, the roads. Road, may the, the road rise up to meet <laughs> yeah. you. May the I used wind, to have that on a coffee mug. I might, it's, I think I have it right here. Yeah. Oh. 
It is a teeny the Irish tiny blessing. Irish so plate. So Irish Catholic of me to have it on the wall and not remember. <laughs> May the road. Okay. An Irish blessing. An Irish blessing. <laughs> May the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sunshine warm upon you. You did pretty good. That's why it's written really, really weird. May the sun shine warm upon your face and the rain fall soft upon your fields until we meet again. May God hold you in the hollow of his hand. There you go. There you go. That's written that, the that hardest was, font to read possible. What I was trying to say. <laughs> yeah, you got it. <laughs> Safe travels and all that jazz, and I'll see you on Zoom. Yeah, we'll yeah. just an F, a fly. A fly. Um, a handful of the episodes Sarah will be calling in via Zoom, as she said. So forgive the little production. You know, it's gonna be <laughs> fun. It sounds fine. It'll be fun. It'll be an adventure. We'll be in our little Airbnb. In Los Angeles. With our cats. With our cats. With our three cats. I'm sure you'll hear them. Because it's oh, a yeah. small little place. Wee. Oh. Kind of tweet. Hit it. Thanks for listening to another episode of Disney Dependent. See, See you real soon. soon. It's the Chicago way. It's the Chicago way. <laughs> what are you prepared to do? <laughs> you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Disney Dependent. And you can send us an email at disneydependent at gmail.com. This podcast is produced by Producer Ash. The logo is by Ryan Hatch, and you can find him at WRHatch on Instagram. The music is by Ryan Knowles, and you can find him at Ryan Allen Knowles on Instagram. This show is mixed and edited by Deanna Chapman. You can find Deanna at Deanna underscore Chapman. And this has been a Team Dynamite Goat production. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the show, and we'll be back here next week. <laughs>